Hey there. Thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better, and our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head over to our website, resound.church forward slash app, to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Uh, good morning, church, or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be where you're watching this. Um, I hope you're doing well. Um, I hope you're comfortable if you're in your PJs or your trackies or one advantage about being in church at home, you can uh, wear whatever you want and be as comfortable as you want as well. Um, so anyway, so I'm uh, speaking to you uh, at whatever time you're watching this uh, about the cross. You know, Wayne spoke about it last week and I'm going to continue um, speaking about that. And my goal is that by the end of, you know, this message that somehow, some way that what Christ did on the cross um, would change you, that it would become more significant in the way that you see yourself, in the way that you see your friends and in the way that you have your relationship with God as well. So I've titled my sermon he did what and he suffered how so my goal is to give you a greater understanding of how Jesus died uh, what that means to you and a little bit into the historical context of a crucifixion and yeah just everything that goes with that as well so we're just going to jump straight in Um, but the first thing that you need to understand is that Jesus is the the center point of the Bible that um, all the Old Testament is pointing towards him you know there are a number of prophecies that um, refer to Jesus, where he was going to be born, what he was going to do, how he's going to die, all those sorts of things. You know, we call them uh, messianic prophecies. And obviously the New Testament as well, like in many of Paul's writings, all that sort of stuff points back to Jesus. Um, and so it's important to remember that Jesus is the central theme um, of the Bible and the cross is obviously central to Jesus's life as well. Um, now about the crucifixion um, itself, um, the crucifixion um, was perfected. Um, by Roman soldiers, by Roman officers, and um, it was basically an instrument to maximise pain and suffering um, in the eyes of the person that was seeing it. But it actually goes um, a lot further in terms of degradation and humiliation as well. Um, This punishment was in fact so severe that if you were a Roman citizen, you were actually exempt from this type of death. Um, No matter what you did, you were exempt from it. The only um, types of people that were um, considered low enough to be executed by crucifixion uh, were political prisoners, um, traitors to Rome and rebels. Um, So as you can see, even in that alone, that just gives you a little bit of context of how Jesus was perceived by um, people around him, that anyone that had that um, crucifixion or that title or label thrown on them was considered subpar, less than human, less than a, a Roman citizen. And so what I'm going to do now is kind of quickly take you through um, the crucifixion story. But I guess the good thing is if I go too quickly, you can pause it. That's the advantage of this being recorded. Um, And I'm just going to pull apart a few different aspects for you and hopefully illuminate um, the significance of what Jesus did on the cross and how that means that we should be living our life today as well. And so um, as you may already know that um, 
Jesus was betrayed by Judas um, and he was, you know, captured in the garden of Gethsemane late at night and then was arrested and taken away by Roman officials and, um, yeah, was captured and put in jail overnight and um, interrogated and questioned and everything like that. And so um, what happens is that there's this key verse I want to just draw your attention to first. It's in John uh, chapter 19 and it's um, Pilate. And what Pilate does is he... uh, it says in that Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And so what happens when, if I say the word crucifixion or cross to you, the first thing that comes to mind for you is probably of, um, you know, like Jesus just hanging on a cross or something like that. And in actual reality, for crucifixions, they uh, took place, you know, with the cross and all that kind of stuff. But there was actually a whole bunch of things that happened beforehand. And the beating or the whipping was one of those that took place. And so what happened is that Jesus would have been um, probably taken to a, Roman barracks or a public square or something like that he would have had his um, at least his top if not all his clothes like stripped off him and he would have potentially been tied to a post as well and what happens there would have been a Roman officer that would have had a whip Um, but there was something significant about this whip that it was um, a cat and nine tails what that means is that at the end of the whip that there were um, pieces of metal shards of bone broken pottery all those kinds of things and basically the goal of the officer that's whipping um, Jesus or anyone else that was being crucified was to literally rake the skin off that person's back and so what happens is Jesus is getting whipped and the skin is literally being raked from his body that blood's just pouring out all over the concrete and everything like that and Jesus is just crying out in pain and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you about the significance of that and then obviously after that that a crown of thorns is just pushed into his skull so he's got blood everywhere he's in pain he's crying out and then what happens is Pilate, you know, he goes back to the, to the Jewish crowd, to the Jewish leaders and says, um, you know, I've punished him enough. I, I don't see anything wrong with him. He, he hasn't done anything disrespectful to me. He hasn't um, disturbed Roman law. I can't find him at fault. And the Jewish leaders, they just crawl back, crucify him, crucify him. And they keep chanting, they keep yelling. And then Pilate says, all right. And he washes his hands like, no, I'm done. All right, that's fine. If you want to, it's on you. Whatever happens is on you. And so then the decision is made that Jesus is to be crucified. And so what happens in the time of crucifixion, if you were in a town or a city, is that, you know, you'd get beaten or whipped first and then you'd be made to carry um, your cross and walk to wherever the place is that you'd be executed, whether it was a, a hill or some other location and something like that. But there's a little... Uh, passage that I just want to quickly read because it goes to the state of mind of Jesus and what he was going through with uh, the pain and everything like that. So in Luke uh, chapter 23 verse 26 it says, as the soldiers led him away they seized Simon from Cyrene who was on his way in from the country and put the cross on him and made him carry it. What you need to understand is that uh, Roman soldiers are not generous Jewish leaders are not generous to someone that they think who is falsely claiming to be God. So this passage of scripture where Simon is carrying the cross for Jesus is not an act of generosity. Okay, so what this is, is Simon's carrying the cross because Jesus physically cannot carry it. 
So that should speak to the pain and the torment that Jesus has already gone through and he's not even on the cross or anything else like that, that he's been whipped, the skin has been raked off his body and he's unable to carry the cross. So that statement alone should speak to the pain and the suffering of what Jesus has already gone through in that moment. And so what happens eventually is that, you know, the procession, the crowd, they make it up to, to, to the hill. And, um, you know, Jesus is there, Simon, with the cross. And there's a Jewish crowd following the Roman soldiers are around them, protecting them, but also hurling insults and everything like that of that nature. And so what happens is Jesus is forced to lie down on the cross and they drive nails through his wrists. Then he's forced to put one foot over the other and then they drive nails through his feet. Then they flip the cross over and then they hammer down the end of the nail so it doesn't fall back out. Then Jesus is placed in on the cross and he's lifted up. And as soon as that happens is all the weight. And what happens is you're standing there like there with his cross. He's got nails through his wrists. He's been whipped. He's got the skin that's just been raked off. It's probably rubbing against the timber of the cross. And it actually takes an effort to breathe. So what happens when you're on the cross because your legs are sagging because they're not out straight is you need to pull yourself up like that and take a breath. And then you sag back down and you go back up. It takes effort. It hurts. Jesus is in pain. And all the while, he's being hurled insults. He's being insulted. The soldiers are probably right down at his feet and they're just um, throwing lots to decide who's going to get his clothes. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that in that moment is probably not even considered human. That he's basically just a carcass hanging on a piece of wood waiting to die. Just think about that for one moment. But what happens is, as I was researching through this and, you know, I was reading different Gospels and, um, you know, just going online and searching about the crucifixion and just reading different things and everything like that. And what became abundantly clear to me through everything was a message of grace that Jesus echoed throughout this whole ordeal despite what he was physically going through, despite what he might have emotionally been feeling, that the message of grace was extended through everything that he was doing. You know, it starts in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, when Jesus is arrested, Peter um, cuts off the ear of the servant of the holy priest and... um, Jesus says to them, you know, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. But also as well, he heals the servant of that priest. So right there, there's a message of grace. But it continues as well. You know, um, for me, uh, sometimes my grace is dependent on the mood that I'm in. Um, If you ask my wife, I'm much more likely to do the dishes or the vacuuming if I've got more energy or if I'm in a good mood. Whereas if I come home tired from work or something like that, then the last thing that I want to do is um, exercise grace and go and do the dishes or the vacuuming or washing or whatever chore it is that I really don't want to do but that's not the case for Jesus the message of grace extends 
because his message of grace is not determined by situations. It's not determined by physical pain. You know, even when he's standing there on the cross, as he's standing there, not standing there, when he uh, has nails put through him and he's gasping to breathe, that he looks down at the sea of people and he echoes, you know, one of the most famous verses in Luke 23, 34 that says, Father, Forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Again, Jesus is extending grace even though his situation is telling him not to. Even though his body is crying out in pain. And I think that's what the crux of the message, the crux of what the cross is, is that it wasn't nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was love. That it was love that held Jesus to the cross. Jesus that, that healed people, that performed miracles, that calmed seas. In my opinion, three little nails probably wouldn't be very much work for him to get out of. But it was love that kept him there. Love for me, love for you, love for every single person in this world in a hope that one day that they might accept him. And so what I did while I was preparing, while I was praying, and um, I kind of wrote down a statement. I was like, okay, well, if I'm doing all this research, what does it personally mean to me? This is what I came up with. It is love. It is forgiveness. It is grace. It is acceptance. It is love. It's peace. It's compassion. It's joy. It's an understanding what the, while the devil might know, might know my name and call me by my sin, that Jesus knows my sin and calls me by my name. It's an appreciation that I struggle to put in words. It's a revelation that the love that held Jesus to the cross was not the nails, but it was love. And you know, it says in Romans um, 8, 38 to 39, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the question or questions that I want to ask you is that what does the cross mean for you? Is the cross something that you simply think about whenever you take communion on a Sunday morning? Um, or is it something more significant? I don't know what the cross means for you. I know what it means for me, but only, that's something that only you can answer. But what about the grace? The grace that Jesus extends, the grace that he asks us to extend... Is your grace dependent on a situation? Is your grace dependent on your mood? I don't know those questions, but God calls us, Jesus calls us to extend grace regardless of how we feel, that we should love the way that Christ loved us. Are you convinced of God's love regardless of what is going on around you? If you are holding on to the cross and you know with absolute certainty that that's true and that Jesus died for us, for me and for you, then you should be holding on to the certainty that God loves me regardless of what the situation, regardless of the coronavirus or whatever else is going on, that you hold firm onto the faith that God loves you. See, I know what the cross means for me. 
That doesn't mean that I'm flawless. You can ask my wife or anyone else that knows me and that's definitely not true at all. But what I do know is that the love that Christ has for me is a love that is not determined by what I do or what I don't do. That is not determined by how much I earn or how healthy or happy my family is. But I also know that I have a responsibility that others should know and walk into the freedom that I have and the love that I have that God has for me. And so I hope for you that this morning or whenever you're watching it late at night, whatever it might be, that this message has illustrated not only what Jesus went through, um, but also what it means for you. And so I encourage you that, you know, if you're feeling distant from God, if maybe this Sunday is the first Sunday that you've thought about the cross since last Sunday or in the last month, last week, last year, whatever it might be, I just want to encourage you, take a moment um, in your house, in your bedroom to pray. You know, invite God to remind you of what he did on that cross, to remind you of what it feels like to be loved no matter who you are, no matter what you look like. You know, God's love can overcome anything that you might be feeling right now. So I encourage you to pray um, that God would do something, that you would have a greater understanding of what the cross is. And so I hope that this message has encouraged you and challenged you and that you would have a greater understanding of what Jesus did on that cross. Thank you and I just pray you have a great rest of the week. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.